Hey, it's Monica. Welcome to the Home Health Occupational Therapy Explorer podcast. Yep, it is the longest name podcast out there and I'm happy to be hosting it. So welcome back. Today's topic is a bit of follow-up from the AOTA 2019 conference in New Orleans. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Monica, and welcome back to Home Health Occupational Therapy Explorer podcast. I'm excited to do some updates. I will admit I had an intention and thought it would be a good idea to dream that I'd do a podcast from New Orleans, and then I realized that's like the last thing that will be on my mind, especially at an AOTA conference in New Orleans. So this is coming at you live from back in Arizona. I will say it was wonderful to be at conference and I just, I want to open this up with an invite to anyone who's listening to go next year to Boston. It's going to be at the end of March and I actually only went for one day this year just for budgeting and kind of scheduling purposes and even that was so worth it. You know, to be in rooms where everyone's input is from another OT. (laughs) It's so special. Oh my gosh. And the city of New Orleans was just um, very wet the first two days and just so rejuvenating to be around with artistry and creativity and history and the music. Oh, the music. So with that, let's jump in. Uh, We'll start with the updates from the home health OT meetup which happened on Friday and it was kind of funny at least speaking for myself I'm not it's probably been five five plus years since my last OT conference and there's you know there's obviously more than one hotel near where the conference is and I I thought I understood you know where this home health OT meetup was going to be which is I thought in a hotel across the street and it turns out it was not across the street. Needless to say, it was a bit of a scavenger hunt to get there. So a massive shout out to the eight people who made it. It, it was definitely, um, you definitely had to be committed to getting to this room because it was on the fourth floor and like this hotel definitely off site. So there was a lot of just enthusiasm and curiosity in the room and Karen Vance was there. Just a shout out to Karen Vance and just a massive thank you to everyone who came because Karen's expertise especially just really carried that meeting and it was amazing to to hear her insights of which I will do my best to share. And also just a shout out to Jackie Nawaru McGlamerly for her leadership and help in just kicking that meeting off. And Clarice Miller for also being there and all that you're doing on the Commune OT uh, platform and just with AOTA to help support home health OTs. So, um, and, and I guess I'll just actually kick it off right there because that was definitely a piece of encouragement was to really use that we as home health OTs really use the platform of commune OT which is like the Facebook of AOTA to talk to each other and to reach out because doing so on that particular platform 
really lets AOTA know what we are up to, know what we're struggling with, and and really helps provide them a pathway to be there for us and to also uh, allow these thoughts and ideas to be exposed to another layer of professionalism Um, because there's, if I understood correctly, one of the main reasons that Karen Vance was able to be present was because she saw it on the Commune OT forum. So just um, some ideas in regards to using the Commune OT forum more often for home health OT topics. So circling back around to Karen Vance. um, So let's just talk a little bit about some of the things that she was suggesting uh, So let me pull out my notes here. So, um, you know, one of the the first interesting things that she said was that there are averages that are published on the National Association for Home Care Salary and Compensation Survey, and that knowing these averages can be helpful for us, especially when we are negotiating pay, especially a per-visit pay. So if, if any one of these are either really high or really low, then that lets us know that perhaps we're being offered something really great. Perhaps we're being, um, it's a low offer. We need to negotiate for more, but this at least just helps us have a more realistic picture. So according to this survey, the average number of miles being driven between visits is 11. The average caseload is between 24 and 25 and that the average day includes between five and six visits. So I hope that that is just helpful to really kind of think about that and then how that may uh, match what you are experiencing. So if you're being expected to drive 20 miles between visits, keep a caseload of 30 and still see five to six people per day, then that's actually not average. That's definitely above average what's being asked of you. So perhaps these averages can be helpful in in creating a a conversation and perhaps a more win-win situation or at least an increase in pay. One of the other things that Karen suggested as an idea was instead of us thinking about just how many people we're seeing per day, but to to really instead think of this caseload that we're seeing in like the big picture of are there other ways to address the caseload needs besides just a a visit per day um, or even per week scenario. So maybe it's two times a week for the first two weeks, a uh, phone call, follow up the third week, and then the fourth week, one other visit. So just an encouragement to be really creative and think outside the box about how we're really meeting the goals of our patients. Mm, Let's see. One of the other things, excuse me, that we talked about was, and actually Karen provided a specific quote to use with our companies, which is, I would love to collaborate with whoever's collecting OASIS data to offer my insight to make sure we're capturing the most accurate picture of the patient. And that was a direct quote from her that, we were encouraged to really use our OT skills, especially with this OASA, OASIS data collection, because sometimes 
the PT or the nurse goes in to collect data, but we have a very specific skill set where we can see that gray area that might be missed, such as cognition, that can actually affect the real picture of these patients. So, let's see. And I know I'm, I'm just giving you the... Um, Hmm, the most bold details that I can, and I have invited Karen to do a podcast so we can go more into these things. So one of the other things, though, that she did encourage was that we also request case conferences and that when we're at those case conferences, that we really paint as clear of a picture as possible of the conditions that are present that are really happening with that patient and be really specific about what our goals are. OT's working on a goal of dressing to go from modicus to independent with adaptive equipment. So things like that. She recommended that as much as possible, we try to keep it really succinct and clear. I know I've experienced uh, both you could say highly distractible case conferences, and I've also experienced really on-point, succinct ones. And so this is just a call to see, you know, can we bring a really succinct picture to the table of what we're seeing as OTs to these case conferences? And I think it's a great challenge. One of the other things she talked about, too, was this encouragement to get involved with medication management and not not speaking to this from a nursing standpoint, so, you know, not um, so much on specific education of the actual pill, but more what's their routine around medications? Are they forgetting to take some medications? If so, why? Are they, where are they keeping their medications? Are they able to open uh, all the containers that they need to open in order to take their medications? So these are some of the things I thought it was great that she was also recommending. Okay, so I think those are some of the big hitters from the Home Health OT forum. Let's see, and I think Karen's also going to be working on some training. And if you haven't yet, her book on home health occupational therapy is available and also counts as CEUs and PDUs. I believe it counts as two CEUs, and I think it counts for like 25 PDUs through um, NBCOT. That book changed my practice. It really changed how I thought about and, and did OT in the home. So if you haven't yet, I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out that book. And I also just want to talk about a couple other fascinating finds at the conference now that I've been doing a little bit more reflecting on it. So one of them is um, there's a training available through something called Living in Place Institute. And I think this is fascinating. And I also hope to bring you more information directly from them. But this is a training for it's like aging in place, um, but it really also positions you to have a very specific language to make recommendations for home safety, as well as collaborate with builders. So this could also open up a whole nother, even if it's like a side practice area, because 
From my understanding, being trained in the Living in Place Institute principles makes you available to be consulted by um, contractors who need the input of a therapist. And it gives everyone a common language to be able to talk about the home and safety and, and comfort. So that's called Living in Place Institute. You may want to check that out. Uh, let's see. So Cheryl Hall, who is the author of the OT Toolkit, also said that she is working on and has really debated whether or not to include it or not in the OT Toolkit, but having positions available or kind of having educational handouts available that address sex positions. And so if that's something that you could use with your patients, email her um, because she would like to know if more OTs kind of need or want these type of materials. And you can reach her at Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L at OTToolkit.com. There's also something called Clip Different, and this is actually a way that patients can cut their nails by themselves um, without actually having to use manual nail clippers. So it's a pretty fascinating invention. It won't be obviously for every patient and it's fingernails, not toenails, but it could be, I, I just think it's, it's worth taking a look at it. So check out Clip Different, and I, I also hope to bring you some more information about them in the future. Sabo, um, it has a, it's like a to-go version of Eastem. So it, it hasn't been released yet, but keep your eye on Sabo for uh, more information about that. If you use Eastem a lot with patients, because you may love this option and that, so keep an eye on Sabo, S-A-E-B-O.com for that and hope to bring you more information about that in the future. Uh, let's see, what am I forgetting? Oh, Tommy Hilfinger and Zappos are making some amazing adaptive equipment and shoes. They, it, it like makes me speechless to even think about it. So especially if you're working with either children or adults with AFOs or just who have difficulty getting their shoes on, but love high fashion or just like looking really good, definitely have them check out Zappos Adaptive. And especially for people who need one-handed techniques and love wearing button-down shirts, Tommy Hilfinger has a line now that you would not even know that it's a magnetic button-down. It's fascinating. So I highly recommend checking out their line. More information, hopefully, to come in interviews with them in the future, too. And there's a new TheraBand option out there um, that it's a latex-free, and it's, it's like, cuffed. So somebody doesn't have to actually kind of hold on to that knot with the TheraBand. And more information coming at you in the future on that as well. And I think those are the biggies as I'm looking at my list. I think those are the biggies that I wanted to tell you about. So thanks for hanging in there with me on a little bit of a longer episode today. And oh gosh, one last thing is um, this, the inspiration to 
address comorbidities and lifestyle from a different angle. And if if nothing else, this was kind of my very, very simple takeaway from one of the sessions on that topic, but it was just including a conversation about comorbidities and, and even just asking a patient, like, hey, have you, um, are you aware of what a chronic condition is? Are you aware that you have a few comorbidities or a few chronic conditions that can make healthcare a little more challenging? And just inviting them into this conversation about their diagnoses to see how much they understand about the complexities of what they've been diagnosed with and involving listening in a different way. So like one of the things was to use one of the... Um, recommendations was to to use motivational interviewing and to also use helpful people you know so is there a way to include a support system more into our sessions like is that a matter of calling someone before you leave like the son if the son's not there calling them with permission of the patient if they say that that's their primary support person and really just in, including this community that the patient may have in order to get them on board um, with these patient-centered goals so we can really help people get back to living a meaningful life in the world. And, and actually, so that's what I'll close on is a topic from Ellen Cohn. She was the Eleanor Clark Slagle lecturer, and she, you know, she really just called us up to this um, practicing our confidence. And as we pursue goals that we value, we all gain confidence and that the, the potential of OT is not yet fully realized. And so to not be afraid of perfection in the midst of our own careers, but instead to, to be bold, to take a stand and to try going for these really deeply felt goals or desires that we have. And so on that note, thank you for being part of one of those journeys for me. That's definitely what this podcasting and what this home health OT explorer is, is, um, is a path of passion that I hope is bringing you new insights um, to elevate your practice and to really help guide our patients into a more meaningful experience in the world. And as always, I welcome your feedback, your ideas, and I invite you to share your stories. So either writing in those stories, or if you've got a story you'd like to share with other OTs exploring home health, please write me. Please let me know. You can reach me at Monika, M-O-N-I-K-A, at homehealthotexplorer.com. And if you want to stay up to date for um, future happenings and, and the growth or changes with Home Health OT Explorer, check out www.homehealthotexplorer.com. Thank you so much for listening. Drive safe, keep exploring, and count your blessings. Thanks. random OT thought. Has anyone ever had this happen where you're at the coffee shop and you're doing your work 
and then you need to take a break and or actually you're leaving the coffee shop so you go to the bathroom to do one last stop and you've got your backpack you turn around you lock the door you look around the bathroom and there's nowhere to put your backpack and as an OT sometimes I I just these are this is another one of my OT dreams like I dream of a world where you never have to put your backpack on the floor in the bathroom especially at a coffee shop, because I'm like, isn't it assumed that I'm going to have stuff in my hands if I'm coming here? I mean, some people go to the coffee shop to just drink coffee, but until I'm like 66, I don't know that that's going to happen. So has anyone else had this happen? Am I alone on this? Anyways, just tossing that out there.